All right, so even though Pastor David charged us and challenged us with the theme last week, where he said that the theme of 2023 is reaching or reach, that we have to reach upward, that we have to pursue more of God, that we have to make sure that our relationship with God will grow. Then he said we have to reach inward, that we have to examine ourselves, that we have to let God work in us so that we can change and become the people that God wants us to be. And he said, he ended with, we have to reach outward. We have to reach out to the people around us. We have to make sure that we share the good news, the gospel to the people around us, because that is what is the mandate for each and every one of us. Amen? So even though we were charged with a, with a New Year's resolution in that, I want to encourage you, if you have not been here, if you haven't listened to it, go to the YouTube channel and listen to it because that is the theme for the year and it will set the course for the entire year. So please, if you haven't listened to it yet, go and listen to it. And even though we heard that last week, I still want to continue preaching about the signs and wonders that John describes in his gospel. And today we are going to talk about the fourth sign that John explains, and that is Jesus feeding the 5,000. And that is found in John chapter 6, verse 5 through 14. Okay? And just to recap again, uh, John, in his own words, in John chapter 20, says that Jesus performed many signs and miracles, many signs and wonders, but he handpicked only those eight because he wants to show us who God really is. So he took a miracle and said this miracle is a sign. And the definition of a sign in the biblical sense is it's a miracle that carries a lesson. A sign is a miracle that shows us or that conveys more information for us to see and learn about God. A miracle is also, a sign is a miracle that points towards the miracle worker. So the signs that we have in the book of John are meant for us to become a little bit more curious about who God is and how God wants to be involved in your life. So today we're going to talk about feeding of the 5,000, but I think the focus of today's message will be our perspective. That we have to make sure that we have the right perspective. The right perspective. Now, if I would ask you, what do you see right here? Then you might say, it's a guitar pedal board. I say, very true. That is your perspective and you are correct. But if I say, look again, be more specific. What do you see right here? Then you might say, okay, it's Keith. It's Keith's guitar pedal board. And that is absolutely true. He is the owner. That is his. So it is his guitar pedal board. So that is your perspective now. And you are absolutely correct. But if I could say, you know what? Look at this. This is a symbol of God's blessing on Keith's life. Because all the things you see right here are not cheap. He has to buy it. He has to spend the money to buy all this. So it's a symbol of God's blessing on his life. And I could even say, if you look at it, this is a symbol 
of Keith's passion for the kingdom of God. Because again, it is not cheap and he sacrifices his own money to buy so that he can accomplish what he wants when he is here on stage. So now all these are different perspectives. It is a guitar pedal board. It is some, a pedal board that has an owner. It can be a symbol that represents something else. All these are different perspectives and they are all correct, but it depends on how you look at it that determines what you really see. So the definition of a perspective, if we go into the dictionary, is a particular attitude towards something or a point of view. So the way that you look at your life is determined by your perspective. Do you see God moving in your life or not? I believe very often God is moving, but we are not aware of it. Very often God is moving, but we are so busy with our everyday life that we don't even see how involved God really is in our life. So we have to come to God and say, God, change my perspective so that I look at life the way that you want me to see my life. Help me to have the attitude that you want me to have in my life because my perspective will determine how I view and how I see my life. So we can come to God and say, God, help me change my perspective. Help me change to look at people and see them as a mean to an end. Help me change that I look at my job as a curse where it's actually a blessing that I have a job that I can provide for my family. Help me, God, not to look at my family and take them for granted, but to appreciate them and the love that they have for me. God, help me to change the outlook I have on life. Give me the right perspective so that I can see you move in my life and that my heart will be filled with gratitude. Amen? So today we're going to talk about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And that is found in John chapter 6, verse 5 through 14. And we're going to read it very quickly. So if you have your Bibles... You can open up with me to John chapter 6, verse 5 through 14. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each to have just one bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There were plenty of grass in that place, so everyone sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. 
after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. So I believe if we have read the scripture, that you have a very good understanding of the entire scene, right? It is very descriptive. You can see it in your imagination. And I believe uh, John took this sign that he says, the sign, this miracle, to show us a little bit more about God. And if we look into this story, it is very apparent that there are three different characters who play an important role. Of course, first of all, that is Jesus. Amen? Yes, the most important. Then there is Philip, and then there is Andrew. And so what we can see here is three different perspectives of the same situation. Jesus, Philip, Andrew, they all saw the same thing. They saw the crowd of people, 5,000 5, men. That means there were also still women and children. So realistically, it was more a crowd of 10 to 15,000 people. That's why a lot of the scholars say this was one of the biggest ministry opportunities that Jesus ever had in his entire life. He was teaching a crowd of people, somewhere between 10 and 15,000 people. Then they come, and Jesus, another translation, another scripture says that compassion filled his heart. He saw the crowd of people. He was teaching them from the morning, and now it was evening. Compassion filled his heart, and he said to Philip, Philip, how can we feed these people? And Andrew was right there as well. So there were three characters, and three had very different perspective of the situation. Now, first of all, we have Jesus. And Jesus' perspective was upward. Coming back to what Pastor David preached last week. Jesus' perspective was upward because it says in John chapter 6, verse 6, he asked this only to test him. Here it is. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. So when Jesus talked to Philip and said, how are we going to feed these people? Jesus already knew what he was going to do. His perspective was upward because he already knew what God wanted him to do. Now look at John chapter 5 verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And in his own words, he would only do what he saw God doing. So he already knew at the beginning, before he even asked Philip the question, he already knew what he was going to do. Because he knew what God wanted him to do. Now you might say, but we're talking about Jesus. In perfect communion with God. Very true. But that is something that we have to emulate in our life. Something that we have to pursue. Where we can say, God, I want to have a perspective that put God into the picture. Come on, that is what looking upward really means. We are putting God into the picture. 
no matter what situation we are facing in life, no matter what we are going through, good things or bad things or just everyday things, we want to put God into the picture and be more aware of Him in our everyday life. That is having a perspective towards God. The thing is, very often we are confronted with things in our life and we are so busy and we are so focused on what's going on here in our everyday life that we lose perspective of God. Come on. I have learned over the years, one of the main things, why people walk away from the church or maybe even from the faith is not so much because they were hurt, not so much because something terrible happened to them. Very often it's just people forget about God. They live their life, don't really involve God. The perspective is not on God. So they do their everyday life and God becomes less and less part of the life. And before you know it, you drifted apart and they're just living their everyday life. Most of the time, something like this happens when people walk away. So we have to make it a point to say, God, change my perspective that I am not so concerned and so uh, occupied with what is going on in my life, but that I can see you in my everyday life. Because I can guarantee you, if you really look, you can find God. If you really look for Him in your everyday life, you will see Him move more than you are aware of it right now. So we have to change our perspective and say, God, let me see you move in my life. And I believe then the things that seem to be impossible can become possible. Just like when Jesus talked to Philip and he was looking at the situation, Jesus, it's impossible. There is no way that we can provide food for all these people. It is impossible. But because Jesus already knew because Jesus had God in the picture. He knew that a miracle was possible. So if we change our perspective, hopefully we can put God in our life and the seemingly impossible becomes possible. The seemingly impossible becomes an opportunity for God to move and show himself to be the almighty God. But we have to be willing to change our perspective, to say, God, help me, because that is reality. It is easy for me to say all these things, and it is easy for you to say, sounds good, pastor. But it's a completely different thing now, Monday morning, to go back to our everyday life, to our jobs, to the traffic jam, to all this craziness that is going on, and then remember that God is involved in our life. So it takes effort. It takes our conscious decision to say, God, today I'm going to look for you. For situations throughout the day, I'm going to look where you are because I am sure that God will show up in your life. But it takes effort and we have to put him into our life and look for it. And then the impossible becomes possible. I remember when I was in Germany, I was preparing for my SPM. Of course, in Germany, we don't have SPM. It's the equivalent to SPM. I was preparing, and I was part of a prayer group that met at Pastor Winston's house every day from 6 to 7. So we, I, I was part of that prayer group for a few years already. I was preparing for SPM now. And then in one of the prayer meetings, I just felt 
that God was calling me to a fast. Now it was not a voice from heaven, the heavens opened up, angels came down, angels choir, God's deep voice said, you have to fast. Nothing like that, it was just almost like a whisper in my mind, just like a conviction in my heart that God said, I have to fast. So I didn't tell anyone, because I'm not a big fan of fasting, <laughs> so I didn't tell anyone, I just decided, okay, I am going to be obedient and I'm going to start fasting. So when I was going through the fast, I really felt God wanted me to do a, an extended period of time of fasting. But here's the thing. My teachers in school had doubts that I would even graduate because of my results in school. Because I changed school uh, from one of the lower educational tiers in Germany. You have like three branches. One is preparing you for just labor jobs. The other one is preparing you for more leadership position, but still in the labor force. And then the other one prepares you to go to university. So I was right there in the lowest one. And then I switched school within two years, and I was now being prepared to go to university. So all my foundations that they already had, I didn't have. So a lot of the teachers said, you know what? I'm not sure if you're going to make it or not. So now I was preparing for that, trying to study and all these things. And all of a sudden now I had to do a fast. And so many of the people from the church, even leaders from the church said, oh, maybe Stephen, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't fast right now. Focus on your studies. But I just felt in my heart, no, this is what I have to do. So I did it. Miracle happened. I did my SBM and I graduated above average. Amen. Now, I believe that that was also a result of my obedience. Because so many of the teachers, they couldn't believe it. Obviously, they didn't expect it. But it was possible because I was obedient. I believe that. Amen. Amen. So if we look for God and we are obedient to Him, the seemingly impossible can become possible. Amen. And it doesn't mean that you can lift up your legs and just say, okay, God will do his work. No, it takes your effort. It takes you to put everything into it, what you can. But we believe that God will meet you there and give you what you need to go all the way. Amen. So that you will be successful. So Jesus' perspective was upward. He already knew what he was going to do, what God wanted him to do. The second character that we see in the story is Philip. And Philip's perspective was inward. Philip's perspective was inward. John chapter 6 verse 7 says, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So now here's the story. Here's Jesus seeing the crowd of people, probably 10, somewhere between 10 and 15,000 people. He's turning to Philip and saying, Philip, how can we buy bread for all these people? Philip looked inward, looked at himself, what he could offer, and said, it's impossible. There's nothing that we can do to have enough for all these people. Even if we take money that we don't even have and would spend it, it would not even be enough for just one bite for each of them. So he was looking at his own abilities, and he truly and naturally and true so said it is impossible. 
and think about it, it was really impossible. In the natural, there was no way that Philip or Jesus or the disciple in the natural would be able to provide food for all these people. Impossible. So the problem is, if we look inward, very often we see our faults. We see our shortcomings. We see the impossibilities in our life. And we have to change the perspective and say, God, yes, I am at fault. Yes, God, I am not perfect. I still need your work. But with you in the picture, God, you can change me. God, I believe that you are working in me and that you are not finished with me. So if I let you work in my life, you will change me. And we can expect God to do something beautiful out of our lives. So we have to look inward into ourselves. Problem is very often we become overwhelmed because we see the impossibilities. And it is hard sometimes if we are confronted with all that, what is demanded of us, our shortcomings, and then we feel so overwhelmed that we don't even think to involve God in our life. But that is where we have to change our perspective. To say, yes, God, maybe it is impossible for me. God, I need to change. But with you, the impossible becomes possible. With you working in my life, I believe that you can change me and that I can see and become the person that you really want me to do, to be. So with God in the picture again, if we look inward and we say, God, I don't know how. With him, it is possible. So Philip saw the impossibility. He couldn't even understand what God could do, but God already knew. Now, Philip was realistic. He saw the situation for what it really was. It was impossible. But if we put God into the picture, again, I've said it so many times, the impossible becomes possible. Amen? So if you look at this year, just at the beginning of the year, if you look at your year this year, say, God, I don't know what you can do, but with you, the impossible becomes possible. I believe that you can restore. I believe that you can bless. I believe that you can do something miraculous, something powerful in my life. Amen? Amen? I'm sure that you remember when I told you the story about when the pastor called me up on a Sunday morning and he asked, Stephen, you know what? I'm going to uh, preach about this scripture. Can you prepare and read it to the church? I said, yes, can. That was on a Sunday morning. I opened up my Bible. I read it 10 times, 20 times. I kid you not, I probably read it 50 times. I knew it by heart. I went to the church. It was time for me, the scripture. I went up there. I opened up my Bible. And it was almost like in the movies where all of a sudden all the words were like scrambling around the page. I couldn't read. I was fumbling over my words. It was like speaking a foreign language. It was terrible. I could feel my face get hot. So I turned red like a lobster. And it was not only because I think I looked like it. I know it was like this because after the service, somebody told me, hey, Stephen, you turned red like a lobster. In German, of course. So I knew I turned red like a lobster. It was terrible. Two years later, a missionary took me to Angola. We went to small churches. Churches, just 10, 15 people at the side of the road. No building, just a hut made with sticks under a tree. 
He asked me to preach, 10 people. Then we went to another church, maybe about 20, 30 people. He asked me to preach. We went to the city, to bigger churches, 50 people, 100 people, 200 people. At the end of the, the trip, we had a crusade in the stadium where more than 3,000 people were there. What seemed to be impossible, just two years later, I could not even believe what I was doing because God is the God of the impossible. Amen. He can do things that we cannot even imagine right now. But here's the thing. It takes steps of obedience from one victory to another victory, maybe even to a failure, but then to a victory again. God wants to lead us step by step so that we can, uh, can grow into the things that he has for us. So even if we have some failures this year, I believe that God wants to lead us through it, even through our shortcomings, to the next victory. And then with a step of obedience to the next victory. And finally, we can really accomplish what God has for each and every one of our lives. Amen. So let's look inward. Let's have a perspective of inward, but put God into the picture so that the impossible becomes possible. Number three, we have Andrew. Andrew's perspective was outward. Andrew's perspective was outward. John chapter 6, 8 and 9 says, Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Now, think with me. Imagine the situation. Here's Jesus, sees the multitude of people turning to Philip, saying, Philip, how can we feed these people? Philip answers, It's impossible. There's no way. Jesus is here. Philip is there. Andrew is right over here. Overhears the conversation. And then he right away says, Oh, Jesus, I know there's a boy who has five small loaves and two small fish. Right away. The way that I read it in the Bible is not that Jesus asked Philip. Philip said, It's impossible. Then Andrew over here overheard the conversation, then goes around. Hey, you have food. Hey, you have any food or not? Hey, did you bring any food or not? Not Malaysia, obviously. Nobody brought food. Hey, anybody got food? Finally, he finds a boy who has a lunchbox. No, the way that we read it is he asks Philip. Philip says, oh, I don't know. It's impossible. Jesus is here. Andrew is overhearing the conversation. Right away, he says, there's a boy with a lunchbox. He has food. How is that possible? Now, again, that is with me reading with my imagination. I believe it was because Andrew was a people person. He was already going to the people beforehand, talking to them. How are you? Oh, everything okay? Going to someone else, talking to them, coming to the small boy. Hey, hey boy, how are you? Oh, you know what? My mommy bought me, uh, packed me a nice lunchbox with five barley loaves and two small fish. But I'm so small. It's a lot of food for me. So the boy was telling him all that because he was a relational kind of guy. So then when he overheard Jesus and Philip talking, he right away knew, Oh, Jesus, I know there's a boy with a lunchbox. But I don't know how far that will go. But see, he knew because his perspective was outward. He had people in mind. He was out there. He knew the importance of mingling with people, valuing them. See, the thing is, sometimes we can look at people and see them as a mean to an end. 
And of course, we know that is not how it's supposed to be, so we have to change our perspective and say, God, I want to see people like you see people. Sometimes we look at people and we can see them as a problem. Think yourself. I'm not sure what uh, Philip really thought, but if I put myself in his shoes, Jesus is asking me with an impossible task. And I look at all these people, more than 5,000, well more than that, and now the people become my problem because Jesus asked me to feed them. So if there would be two or three, okay, maybe I can do something. I can find some food. But 10,000 is impossible. So I could look at people as a problem. And that is sometimes what we do. We have pressure in our life. We come to situations where people talk about us, where people put pressure on us. Maybe people talk bad behind us to the co-workers or even to the boss. And we look at them and we think they are a problem. But we have to change our perspective, to look at people how Jesus looks at people, that we will see the value in people, that we see that they are important, that we see that they are valuable, that there is an eternal value on each, on their lives, that God loved them so much that he would have given Jesus just for one of them. That's why the scripture even says there is great rejoicing even if only one comes before God. There is in value, there is in great importance on each person. And I believe that is one of the main things for this year that we have to reach out. That we have to reach out to our loved ones. That we have to see the importance that they come to church. That they come and make a decision for Jesus Christ. Because eternity is at stake. Amen? So let us change our perspective and say, God, I don't want to look at people as means to an end. I don't want to look at people as a problem. I want to see their value. I want to see how important it is that there is an urgency that I reach out, that there is an urgency that demands me to make use of every opportunity. Like Colossians 4, where Paul says, make use of every opportunity that you have to give witness to the people around you. Amen? Let the praise team come this morning.